we pray and ask for your help, Holy Spirit, as we come to your word. Your word which is living. That your word will find a place in our hearts in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, you will glorify your name. You will glorify your name. That will leave this place, Lord, knowing that it's worth it. You are worth it. You are worthy, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. People who have affected their world have been people of conviction. Not just opinion. You have opinions, but convictions have you. It's, opinions easily cave in under certain pressures, but convictions are resistant. This morning, I want the theme is convictions of an effective witness. Convictions of an effective witness. Our passage will give us two convictions. And it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit will write these in our hearts so that we all will be effective witnesses of Jesus. In our passage today, there are some, there are some who, are, who is who that we have to recognize. There are some important people. So look at verse 17, for example. So from verse 17 is where the story actually starts. But we read from verse 27. 17, we meet the high priest. We also meet the Sadducees. In verse 27, we meet the Sanhedrin. In verse 34, we meet the Pharisees. These are important people. We have to acknowledge them. You know, sometimes we say all protocol observed. So we want to, we want to do that. So the Sanhedrin, they acted as the main council of the Jewish people. A group of religious people, but they were like the Supreme Court. Their verdict was final for the whole people. So it was a council for them. The word actually, Sanhedrin, the word actually means assembly or council. A group of sometime between 23 or 71 people constituted the council. The head of the Sanhedrin is the high priest. Remember, the high priest, they hailed from um, Aaron's lineage. So Aaron's descendants became the high priests. And he headed the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin comprised various groups. So we have people like the Sadducees. These people, they didn't believe in miracles, especially the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't. Or even in the existence of angels. So they were sad, you see. They didn't believe. <laughs> Good joke. Please write it down. <laughs> well, I heard it some, from somewhere. Okay, and the Pharisees. The word actually means the separated ones. These people were characterized by strict observance of the Mosaic law. They wanted to observe it to the latter. But unlike the Sadducees, they believed in the resurrections, they believed the resurrection they believed in the existence of angels. They believed in the whole of the Old Testament. So all protocol observed. When we left off last week, you see what was happening from verse 12 to 16. The apostles were doing great signs and wonders, healings and all that was taking place. But not everybody was happy that people were being saved and people were being delivered. 
gospel ministry will not make everybody happy. Verse 17, the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Quite interesting. When in Acts chapter 2, the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and were doing miracles. These people are filled with what? Jealousy. And what is the effect? They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. You see, that is not the first time the apostles have been arrested. In Acts chapter 4, they were arrested also. There it was just Peter and John. But here, it was the apostles. Not just Peter. Almost all of them. Almost all of them. But something happened when they were arrested. Verse 19 to 20. Again, this thing we are seeing over and over again. Prison break. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Quite ironic. The Sadducees, they didn't believe in angels. God deliberately sends an angel to take these people out. And the instruction, go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. So, so far as these leaders, the Sahindrin are concerned, we have arrested them, we have put them in jail, so they got it. And they asked the guard, please, Kofra Mubra, we want to meet with them. We are being brought to the Supreme Court. The guard goes and he observes something that has happened and he, he comes to the Sahindrin and he says, people, I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want first? They said good news. He says, okay, the good news is when I went, the jail was secured. The locks were intact. Actually, the guards were also there. Everybody was at post. So what is the bad news? The people in there they are not there. They are gone. And you can see the reaction of the San Sanhedrin. Verse 24. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at loss, wondering what this might lead to. Like how? It's not that the guards have been bribed and then they have run away because they know if you are bribed and you are caught, it's serious. They've run away, their locks have been broken. No, everyone and everything is intact. But for the people, they go and search for them and they bring them. And this is where we see the convictions that made these people, of which we are praying that God would also give us those things. Verse 25. Then some came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple course teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. We are told they did not use force. People who can escape from prison just like that, <laughs> you don't want to mess with them. Because they feared that the people will stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. 
we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And on top of that, you are not just saying that Jesus resurrected. You are implicating us. You are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Supreme Court judges. And you want to mess with us. The first conviction, verse 29. We must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. You know, the Bible says a lot about Christians recognizing authority, submitting to authority. Actually, in Romans, it tells us that the authorities we have here uses the word God's ministers. They are God's ministers. They are ordained by God. Yet, if authorities abuse their power and forbid what, God's command, what God commands, or commands what God forbids, the conviction, we must choose to obey God rather than human beings. That is the Christian response. Now, who is this God we have to obey? From verse 29 to 32, Peter and the apostles have the opportunity to speak out. And we are going to see certain things about this God. This God that we have to obey, not man. From verse 29, there are three verbs that they use to describe God. Please take a look. 1 verse 30. God raised Jesus from the dead. This God we are choosing to obey. He's the one who has raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection. Verse 31. God exalted him to his own right hand. Right hand, the place of authority, honor. He has exalted him. Exaltation. Verse 32. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to those who obey him. God has given his Holy Spirit. He has poured out his Holy Spirit. So you see what is happening. The God that they have to obey, they think about God in relation to the gospel. The God of the good news. The God of the gospel is the God we have to obey, not human beings. One early church father, Polycarp, um, the church history says that he's probably the last or among the last people who had direct contact with the apostles. He's believed to be the, he was believed to be discipled by John. During some persecutions, he was an old man. He was arrested, brought to the amphitheater, and he was told, Listen, old man, this is the simple thing we want you to do. Renounce Jesus and live. Renounce Jesus and live. His response. 
86 years I have served him. And he has never done me any injury. How then can I now blaspheme my king and savior? The one you are asking me to blaspheme, he's not done me any wrong. He's been my king and my savior. You are asking me to deny the God of the gospel. We choose to obey God, not humans, because of who he is, the God of the gospel. This is the gracious God in bringing Jesus, in resurrecting him, in exalting him, in pouring out his Holy Spirit. Why is he doing all that? So that we are told. So that, verse 31, God exalted him to a, on his, um, his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness of sins. All this that he's done, it was for us. This is how good and gracious he has been. He's powerful, but his power was for us in the gospel. So, this is our conviction. We choose to obey God, not humans. So who he is? But secondly, the second reason why we should have this conviction, verse 33 to 39, the speech by this respectable man, Gamaliel. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. So we see how tensed the situation was. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Verse 35. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Look at how he's described. An honorable person, a wise person, a diplomatic person. As I read him, do you know the only person I'm thinking about? <laughs> His wisdom, his gentleness, how he's honored, and how he applies himself. Verse 35. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel. Consider, look at how tactful he is. Consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. And then he gives historical reason for what he's saying. Two things that have happened in their history. And he says, look at history. And let it affect your actions. Some time ago, Judas appeared, claiming to be somebody. And about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed. And it came to nothing. After him, Judas. Is this name, does this name ever have any honorable mention in scripture? Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed. And all his followers were scattered. 
therefore. In the present case, I advise you, leave this man alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Why is it that this God of the gospel must be obeyed and not human beings? It's because of this. What God wills can never be stopped by man. So that for us, it means this. Anytime you choose God's side, you are on the winning side, ultimately. Anytime we choose God's side, ultimately, we are on the winning side. The person with God is always the majority. He says, listen, look at our history. <laughs> Some people have come and said big and bogus things. What happened to them and their followers? If God is involved in this, if their witnessing is indeed given by the God of the gospel, it's about him that they are testifying. Sanhedrin, you are powerful. What you say will stand. But let me tell you, you can never prevail against God. So, convictions of an effective witness. The first one we are saying. You should have the conviction of wanting to obey God rather than human beings. And two things that support this first conviction is who God is. He's the God of the gospel. And secondly, that what he wills can never be stopped. It can never be stopped. Though dark be my way, since he is my guide, it is mine to obey and it is his to provide. Though all systems be broken and creatures all fail, the word he has spoken shall surely prevail. The second conviction for an effective witness, the first conviction we heard the apostles speak themselves. In this second conviction, we hear Luke speak for them. From verse 40, we read, His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in. <laughs> when I read this, and had them flogged. Listen to this. What Gamaliel said, they saw that, Charlie, is true. So what, are, what are they supposed to do? Just let them go. But these people, at least it's better. Because at the first instant, we realized that what they wanted to do was murder. They were persuaded, and the sentence was brought to what? Flogging. So they beat them. And, and on top, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. 
verse 41, the second conviction. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. We see their thought process. Flogging was not just something that was painful. It was a way of shaming them. They leave the place. And what was going on in their mind was this. What an honor has been done us to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. This was a conviction they had. What can you do to people like this? For them, shame for the name of Jesus is thank you. It's an honor that is done them. You know, not all suffering is suffering for the name. Peter himself, who was involved in this, later on will tell the church, please, if you suffer, don't suffer because you have gone to done something terrible. Don't suffer because one or how. Anything you want to say. So when people see and they insult you and they beat you, you say, oh God, I'm being persecuted. No, no. That one is not part of it. Don't suffer because you have, you've gone to chase somebody's wife and they have cursed you. And now you're on your bed rotting. Say, oh God, people don't love me. You are not suffering for the name. You are suffering for your name. But there's a suffering that comes along seeking to honor God, seeking to be an effective witness. There's some suffering that will come along. And here their thought process is this. When we suffer for the name of Jesus, it's not a sacrifice we are making for Jesus. It's an honor that he has done us. In Acts 17, 24 to 25, they, we read that the, the Lord who made the heavens, the earth, and all that is in is both Lord of heaven and earth. And so he doesn't live in temples made with human hands. He is not served by human hands as though he needed anything from anyone, but rather he himself gives life and everything to all. This God needs nothing from you. There is nothing that's we can bring to God and say, God, if you don't have this from me, Waboka. That God, I want to help you, God. The way you want to save the world and want to bless people and how things are going, Lord, I have saved some 5,000 Ghana cities. God, let me help you. Listen. God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything from anyone. God needs nothing from anyone. 
But this morning, as I'm praying, God, Charlie, you are lucky to have me. God, if I don't go and preach, how would the service be? I'm your co-worker. God, thank you for this privilege, but you are lucky to have me. These people, they suffer shame and they say, hey, even us, that for the sake of this name, we are being flogged and disgraced. For us to have the opportunity to be dishonored like this. It's not that there were people who love to be beaten. <laughs> Perhaps Peter cried and the others. It's not that there was something, there was some intrinsic value in pain that they were celebrating. But it was for the cause. That in seeking to be an effective witness, if you are going to suffer this honor, it is honor than us. They also knew, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to be effective witnesses of Jesus for the rest of the time we have here on earth, this is a conviction that should grab you. If you suffer disgrace, it is an honor. Or putting it another way, anything you do for the Lord is an honor for you. It's a privilege you have, not a sacrifice. Since all that I meet will work for my good, the bitter is sweet, the medicine food. Though painful at present, will cease before long, and then, oh, how glorious the conqueror's song. So, let's draw some applications for us. Think about this. How many of us will ever be dragged to the Supreme Court because of our witness of Jesus? And Tainsi, it won't. It's not likely to happen. But we would all have small, little, little situations in which this first conviction will be tested. Very, very, very small things in small ways where it will be tested if you will choose to obey God rather than human beings.
You are coming for a meeting. Oh, where are you? You know where you are. But you know where the caller also expects you to be. You know that God knows where you are. Where are you? You have the option between honoring God or man. You see, these are little, little things. They are not big things. Little, little subtle ways. What has been our choices? <laughs> In those moments, we become spiritual beings. We are able to teleport. We, <laughs> we transfer our location like 30 minutes ahead. <laughs> little, little occasions where this conviction is tested. Something happened at home. Oh, who broke this? You know it. Like recently, I broke something at home. I knew if I go and tell Sarah, me who? <laughs> because she had plans for it. Charlie, let me forget. <laughs> when she sees me and she asks me, I, I, I know what I'll tell her. <laughs> who broke this? These are little you see, they are not complete. This is not the Supreme Court. Too. And in fact, the people that we sometimes choose to obey instead of God, it's not as though they have any power to do us any harm. Like, what can they do to us? In most cases, nothing. But these are little, little occasions where this first conviction will be tested. Because there might come a time where this first conviction should show up. The second one about suffering this honor, seeing it as honor. It will be tested in subtle ways. Do you know how? One way it will be tested is the area of convenience. Do you know that for some of us, the reason we are not involved in any ministry is because it's inconvenient. All that we have to do is to make certain sacrifices, certain little sacrifices. Certain little, but when we think about it, it's too big. Little sacrifices. Maybe leaving someplace on time, maybe spending extra money to take an Uber and not trotro. These little, little sacrifices, when we think about making them for certain ministries, for us, it's not worth it. But if we are unable to make simple sacrifices for certain services, do you think when you suffer for Jesus, you'll be able to say, it's an honor than me? No. So let's have this. These convictions will play out in small ways. in choosing to honor God, in choosing to inconvenience yourself in certain situations so that you can be of service. You know, when you go to any building site this morning, one of the things you're going to see is concrete. It's a building material that is we use 
But the interesting thing is that concrete is not actually a really strong structural material. It can easily break. It easily breaks. So what do we do? We put rods in them, and we call it reinforcement. And then a concrete that would have easily, easily broken now has strength. Precious that would have destroyed it is able to withstand. As steel rods are to concrete, making it a suitable structural material, these convictions will be to us making us effective witnesses of Jesus. Shall we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to put this in our hearts? Let's pray and say, Holy Spirit, please make us people of these two convictions. That we choose to obey God, not man. To know that when we suffer, it is honor, not sacrifice. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to write these in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask of you. These men we see, remember how timid Peter was? A young girl just could sweep him off his feet. But when the Holy Spirit came, these brittle people become, became people of conviction, reinforced by these convictions. Let's say, God, please reinforce our lives so that the rest of the time we will spend here on earth we will be people of conviction. We will be effective witnesses unto you. So Lord, we pray that you will help us. We acknowledge how brittle we are, how we easily break under certain pressures. But we know from your word that you can reinforce us with these convictions that we can be strong and become effective witnesses unto you as you did for the apostles these convictions we see they had it's not something they manufactured by themselves in themselves they are weak but you upheld them as you did for them we beg you Lord we beg you in the name of Jesus please do for us reinforce our lives with these convictions that we will choose to obey you not man and that when we suffer we see it as honor than us not a sacrifice done for you please Lord be gracious unto us help us in Jesus name we pray Amen